0: Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I'm Ann, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, friend. Welcome back to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I'm Jessica Peresta, and I am so glad to have you here today. Whether this is your first episode or whether you've listened to several, I just really do appreciate you tuning in and listening, and I hope that you find value in what I share. Today's episode is about teaching music to a large class size. This is something I've been asked about before or been asked to record an episode about. So not only did I record a podcast episode, but in the show notes, you will find a link to a blog post that goes right along with what I'm going to talk about today. Sometimes you may have a class that has more students in it than average, or we all know what it's like where someone on your specials team, electives team, whatever it's called at your school, is out, whether it's art, PE, computers, library, whatever it is, and you are asked to double classes that day. It is a little bit tricky and overwhelming getting that many students into your classroom, especially those of you who have a a small class size or a lot of you do teach on a cart. So I'm going to just share a few ideas or things I want you to keep in mind. And I obviously can't cover every avenue of this topic. So after this episode, if you have questions or want me to answer any specific things that you're stuck on when it comes to this, please just let me know. But I want to start with talking about Lesson planning, classroom management, and then to get into some actual movement and instrument ideas that you can run with. When it comes to teaching a large class size, it can definitely feel like herding cats. (laughs) It can feel like you're stuck or you're not really sure what to do because everybody literally might be shoulder to shoulder. But I want to let you know it's not impossible to teach music to a lot of students in your classroom, it's just a little bit trickier and harder and it just takes some thinking about it and what to do to move forward type of st- type of stuff. So, let's start with this. Stay flexible with lesson planning. When you're teaching music to a larger class, you won't have obviously as much space to plan for the activities you normally would. It's so important to stay flexible in your planning. It's important to stay flexible in your planning anyways on a day-to-day basis and to adapt and adjust when needed. But when you're teaching a larger class size, this is really important to keep in mind. Flexibility is key. You might, in your head, think you know how it will turn out, but it definitely doesn't always turn out that way, right? When it comes to lesson planning, I want you to think back to backwards planning. I have episodes on this podcast about that. In fact, look in the show notes because I'm going to link to a few podcast episodes that will talk about things throughout this episode I'm mentioning will give you further Ideas around that. And also, the blog post I mentioned has links to other blog posts in it to just give you more ideas and suggestions. But when it comes to lesson planning, I've talked about on the podcast before backwards planning. Start with the concepts first, then think about the activities you want to plug in. So, the same goes when it comes to teaching a larger class size. What concepts are you covering during that class period or during that week, however often you see them? Then you can plan instruction around that when you're thinking through okay i'm gonna teach steady beat for example and maybe you're i don't know it's first grade and you're thinking about what activity or song or game or instrument activity or whatever it is that you normally do with your students to teach that concept sit down literally look at that particular song or activity and then in the margins of a piece of paper or a google doc or whatever you want to use It doesn't matter. That part doesn't matter. I want you to write out how you could modify that activity. And I'm going to give you some further suggestions in a little bit. So stick with me. But that is what I literally did. When I had a larger class size, I would say, all right, so I might teach the song this way, or the kids might be moving this way, or we would, everybody would get a pair of rhythm sticks, or the students would find a partner, but I can't do that when I have this large of a class. So here's what I'm going to write down instead. So that's what I want you to do is start thinking through how this could work for you, the ideas you have, the planning you do each week. It's just one extra step when you sit down to plan and you know you have a larger class size, write out how you're going to modify, not completely do away with, but modify some lessons and activity ideas you have that you could still use. So, just like when it comes to planning any other week or day, think about what your students need. Keep it student focused. Okay. Then you're going to need to think through the space you have, obviously, to teach what your students need. If a lesson plan fails, first of all, don't give yourself a hard time about that. Give yourself grace and know that that's normal in any situation for a lesson to not always go the way you had it planned to go. But think through maybe where the breakdown happened. Obviously, a lot of the breakdown is you have too many students in there at once, but think through what could have gone differently. Where did the breakdown happen? Did you try to have them doing too many, too much movement or something like that? And then think through that so you can process and move forward for next time you see them. So I just wanted to start off by talking about staying flexible with planning. This is not an episode where I go deep into lesson planning. I have other episodes where I really go into that further. But like I said, look in the show notes. I'll link to some podcast episodes to help you with lesson planning, which you can definitely take ideas from those episodes and apply it towards a larger class size as well. Classroom management ideas. This is where I want to move to next. Having a solid classroom management plan in place is so important, especially when you have, you're really outnumbered by the amount of students in your classroom. When you have a plan in place and you plan for what happens in your music room from the time the students come in until when they leave and every minute in between, you're gonna notice you're not as stressed about seeing, let's say, 40 students at once. When you teach a lot of students at the same time, You're going to want to keep things as seamless as possible for yourself and for your students. When they know what to expect when they come into the music room, they know where to sit. They know where to stand. They know where you want their hands. They know where they're not allowed to sit. They know what the procedure is. They know if they're singing when they come in or if you have them doing some kind of body percussion activity right away. When they know what to expect, you're going to notice you're able to Focus their attention on you teaching. They're going to get settled a lot quicker. You're not going to be feel like you're spending 30 minutes trying to get everybody quiet and paying attention. Have them get started right away with something immediately and have them know the structure and flow of your class period as well so they are able to know the transitions taking place, what's happening next, and things like that, okay? Okay. But also be okay with the chaos and noise. I know that's easier said than done. I am completely just going to keep it real with you like I always do. I don't like a lot of noise. I don't like kids screaming in my ears. I don't like, it makes me nervous. It makes me feel like um, a little overwhelmed sometimes, to be honest. But at the same time, the noise happening in a music room is a good thing. It is, that it means kids are, okay, let's be honest, the right kind of noise that making music and collaborating with their friends and talking about, you know, if it's a partner, small group activity, that kind of noise is awesome. The kind of noise where they're improvising and, you know, being creative with composition, obviously the noise where they're just talking at a turn. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the kind of chaos and noise that means awesome music making is occurring in your classroom. So obviously when you have a lot of students, you're going to need to kind of let some of that go a little bit more than you would in a regular class size environment. It's going to be a little bit louder than it would with a smaller class of students. Let's talk about seating in your classroom. So normally, what I did in my classroom is I would have four rows, and the students would sit on the floor, sit spots, or whatever you know the popular thing of the year was. But they would usually sit in four rows, and let's say there was like I don't know six students per row, depending on the class size. Okay, so let's say six per row because that's twenty-four students. When you're teaching music to a larger class size, you can now do an A side of the room and a B side of the room with four rows in each of those while you're teaching from the middle. So you have the left side and the right side. How many students you put on each row depends on how many students you're seeing. So what I'm getting at, instead of just one group of students in four rows, now you have two groups of students in four rows. When you do circles, like a circle activity or a game past the beanbag, you know all the different ways you do circle activities in the music room, same thing. Instead of a class circle, Now, you could have two circles, the A group and the B group. They each make their own circle and kind of view it like you're teaching two classes at the same time. In order to help you, you could um, designate leaders, circle leaders, where Those students that you really trust, especially this would work great with upper elementary. I know with the littles, it's a little bit trickier, but you could assign a leader where they're the circle leader. So let's say if you're over here walking around circle A, circle B knows your attention's not on them, but have a leader in that circle that is kind of monitoring and, you know, keeping track of things for you. For small group activities, have larger groups. So instead of four to five students, maybe make them seven to eight students. And if you're doing, you know, if they're doing a small group activity and you assign student roles where you're the one writing, you're the one passing out pencils, you're, you know, the different roles you assign students, instead of just one student having a role, assign two of them to the same role. So everybody still has a job to do. When it comes to partner work, maybe that's tough, or maybe you can still do partner activities. It's just going to be a little bit squishier. But if you notice, there's not a lot of room for partners to do things. Make it small group activities instead. Remember, it all goes back to staying flexible, adapting and adjusting when needed. And also, I'll put in there, it goes to knowing your classroom, how much space you have, and what your students can handle, as does any planning, any type of planning you do for your classroom. This is what you need to keep in mind. Let's move right into how to do movement activities. This is part of this is probably the biggest question I get is it's impossible to do movement activities when I have this many students. Or if you teach on a cart, you're like, I don't know how to teach movement activities when I have this many students. We talk about this in my Harmony membership site, by the way, in the lesson plans I provide. You get completely done for you lesson plans for the entire school year. But in the lesson plan packs every month, I will, what I'm teaching you today is what I do. I will say, here's a song, a lesson activity, a game. Here's how to modify and adapt it if you're teaching virtually or on a cart. So you could also look for those ideas and say, okay, those um, adaptation ideas that Jessica shares, I could definitely adapt that for a larger class size as well. But I know you're fully capable of doing this for yourself too. So when, like I said earlier, the very first thing I said in this episode, well, not the very first thing, but one of the first things at the top of the episode was about when you sit down to plan, write out how you can modify and adapt activities to fit that class, that large class you're seeing. So movement activities. If you don't have room in your classroom for a folk dance with the whole class, maybe you could modify the dance where students are moving while staying in their seat or in small groups instead. Maybe also Is there a way, if it's a nice day outside, could you do some kind of dance activity outside? Or is there space in a hallway where you're not distracting classes, right? Maybe there's a day even the gym's not being used. Or a lot of times a PE teacher takes their students outside so you could kind of, while you're planning, say, hey, are you going to be outside this day? Could I use the gym to do a folk dance? just kind of be creative in that area where you're thinking outside the box of where you could do folk dances with your students if you don't have space in your classroom. If that's not possible, like I said earlier, you can modify the dance. So here's some ways you can do that. Can you have students learn parts of the dance that don't involve dancing down the middle? You know what I mean? Those dances where there's two lines facing each other, And you always have some partners going sashaying down the middle and going back. Maybe you cut that part out because you don't have room for everybody to line up in two straight lines. So maybe you just do the parts of the dance where it is facing a partner and the partners could scatter around the room or make a circle. And going back to what I said earlier, if you don't have space for everybody to make one large circle, could you maybe possibly do two smaller circles? Could half of the class learn the dance as written while the rest of the class is doing some kind of instrument ostinato or body percussion ostinato underneath the song. Maybe it's not you cut the folk dance altogether, but you're doing half of the class does it where everybody's participating, but half of the class is learning the dance while the other half is doing something else underneath the dance. Then you could always have them switch parts, maybe not that day, but the next time they come in. Like I said Movement activities are going to be a little bit trickier when teaching music to a large class, but they're not impossible. Think of it more in the terms of small group activities instead of whole class activities. A lot of trial and error is a huge part of what's happening when teaching a lot of students at once. But eventually, just like with anything else in teaching music, you're going to find your stride, what works for you, what didn't work for you, and you're going to keep moving forward. The last thing I wanna touch on is using instruments with a lot of students. I wanna start off by saying that it's okay if every student doesn't have an instrument. It is okay if you don't have a lot of instruments. It is still 100% possible to effectively teach music in your classroom without every student having an instrument every time. Students can share. you can put two on a drum, two on a xylophone. Each of them has a rhythm stick that they hit together. Be creative and think outside of the box when it comes to this. I had to do this. I never had enough classroom instruments for every student, even without a large class size, all the time. But I always had my students who did not have an instrument do body percussion, or they would stand up and do some kind of movement activity with a small group of students, or they would be the ones singing the song. So, rotating parts is a huge part of it, where if everybody can't do the same instrument activity together, Have each, have them in small groups doing something where they can rotate parts. You can also think of it in the terms of center activities. This is something I love, love to do. And look in the show notes because I have a link to a podcast episode about this. Um, And in the blog post I provide, there's a link to a blog post about it as well. But centers is great because if everybody doesn't, if you don't have a lot of instruments and you have way too many students, then a small group of students can do instruments in a centers activity. And then they can always rotate and read that or listen to that episode about how, how they go about doing that. If you're teaching a speech piece or doing a composition or improvisation activity, students can also ro- rotate parts as well. Think of it in terms of rotating parts, smaller groups, not everybody doing the same thing all the time. More You're more of a facilitator sometimes when it comes to a large class size and you are helping the students learn differently. They're learning music still, but in a different kind of way because you don't have a lot of space and there's just too many kids. So keep track of when it comes to instruments, who's playing what, what the activity is, where they're uh, how, like, what activity they got to do that instrument it is, And so everybody's getting to do something different each time they come in and they're all going to be happy. And just like, here's a little phrase I always like to use, get what you get and you don't throw a fit. That is a great phrase to use when it comes to a large class size, because that's something you're probably going to need to say a lot, because they're just going to need to have an understanding of, we have a lot of kids in here, you're not always going to get to do the exact instrument or activity you want it to in the way you want it to, but we're in here to learn music and have fun. And this goes... Honestly, back to having conversations with your students on an ongoing basis, back to classroom management. A huge part of that is relationship building, having conversations with the kids, just being honest with them. We're going to have fun in here, but we're going to have to change up the way that I've done things in the past. But listen, we're going to it's going to be great and we're going to make the most of it. So if you've taught music to a larger class size, I would love to hear about it. Let me know. Uh, You can come in our free Facebook group, the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook group, and let us know in there, how have you taught music to a larger class size? Tell me on Instagram, how have you taught music to a larger class size? And I would love to share your ideas with others as well. Have an amazing week. Let me know if you have any questions and keep teaching music to your students. You're doing an incredible job. Well, hey there, thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week and I will see you soon.